It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Today's episode of the Nick Bob Podcast is brought to you by Pella Windows and Doors. New set of windows or new door can totally change the look, the feeling, the vibe of your home. Plus, it can add value to your home and make your home more energy efficient. Pella checks all those boxes and then some. Pella can provide window and door solutions to any home. Work with the people at Pella, second to none, man. So now is the time. Turn your window and door remodeling dreams into a reality with Pella. Give them a call, 402-493-1350, or check them out online at PellaOmaha.com. That is PellaOmaha.com. All right, uh, pretty exciting. Uh, this is the 100th episode of the Nick Bob Podcast. 100 episodes. Pretty cool little milestone to cross here. And, you know, real quick before I sit up the pod, listen, man, when I made Elite from Sports Talk Radio to launch my own podcast, there's no doubt I was a little nervous, but my prevailing emotion was excitement. And through 100 episodes now, this has been everything I could have hoped for and more. And, uh, you know, I'm just getting started, but I, I sincerely thank you guys for coming on this journey with me and supporting me again. I really, really appreciate it. All the downloads, all the messages of support, all the feedback. Uh, it's been amazing. Uh, I launched the pod on August 26th of 2019. So it's been almost a year and man, these hundred episodes, they've been fun, you know, from wine pods, getting tipsy with Bo Root on <laughs> while recording pods from the Husker game recap pods to mailbags, uh, to, all the guests to you know Jay Billis and Bill Raffrey and Bill Self and and Bear Root and Danny Woodhead and Eric Crouch and Doug McDermott and Jason Peter and Greg McDermott and Luke Gifford and Fran Fraschilla and Tim Brando and Rob Stone. I mean, I could go on and on, but you get the point. It's been a it's been it's been an exciting exciting time in covering everything from Nebraska to Creighton to college hoops, really everything under the sun. So you know, I feel really proud of the of the content in these first 100 episodes. And that was just it, man. I wanted to keep on growing and evolving in my career and getting outside of my comfort zone and doing something new has been really enjoyable and it's been really, really rewarding. So uh, I hope you guys are enjoying listening uh, as much as I'm enjoying putting these podcasts out there. So raise whatever glass you got right now. Cheers to the next 100 episodes. Cheers, everybody. Cheers. So on the pod today, uh, I wanted, I've, I've wanted to talk some Nebraska basketball. And this is a guy that uh, I've probably been annoying him <laughs> over the last handful of months of just texting him, trying to get him on the pod, all that stuff. He's a guy that I've wanted to have on for a while. Matt Abdelmassi, Nebraska basketball assistant coach. He was featured on ESPN.com as one of the top 40 coaches in college basketball under the age of 40. And he's built a reputation as not a good recruiter, not a really good recruiter, an elite recruiter. And he helped build and and construct the roster at Iowa State with Fred Hoiberg that ultimately went on to do some really big things uh, in Ames. And when Coach Hoiberg then left Iowa State to go be with the Bulls, Matt Abdelmassi 
went back to his home, which is New York, and uh, his alma mater in St. John's, and he's been with Chris Mullen for the past handful of years. And let me tell you, he got ballers at St. John's. Like the, those those teams were talented. So this guy is a great recruiter. And when you're talking about important pieces to Hoiberg building this Nebraska basketball program up, Matt Abdelmassi is one of the most important pieces to that puzzle. There's no question about it. This was a really, really good conversation. We kind of go through Matt's journey and then his thoughts on what makes Fred Hoiberg special and the Nebraska job and his recruiting philosophy, which was really interesting to kind of pick his brain on. And then maybe the most the the thing that people are going to get the most out of this is he goes through all the newcomers and gives a scatter report on all of them. So that's just been the thing. When I walk around town and talk to different people about Nebraska basketball, a lot of people are like, who are these guys? Well, who's this guy? Who's this newcomer? Who's this new transfer? Who's this stuff? We go through all the newcomers, and you know, he gives a scouting report on all of them. Because uh, I know there's, there's so much roster turnover, it's going to be tough to know who all these guys are. And, and Mac breaks down all the new guys. So let's get to it, man. I, I think you guys are really, really, really going to enjoy this. Here is my podcast chat with Nebraska basketball assistant coach Matt Abdelman. Well, on the line now is a, uh, a a very important cog in Fred Hoiberg's machine that he's building uh, here in Lincoln with Nebraska basketball. He's Matt Abdelmassi. He's kind enough to join us. What's up, Matt? How are you? I'm doing good, Nick. Great to be on. I know you've been texting me to get on, uh, and I apologize for for not getting on no. prior to this, but excited to finally connect with you. It's been a crazy, it's been a crazy couple of months. So <laughs> I, I, I totally, I totally, totally get it. I got it. So you know, obviously you're you're a New York native, and then you're coming from New York, being at St. John's, and obviously living in Lincoln is a big change from New York. But I have to imagine your time in Ames has made yeah. the transition much easier, right? Yeah, no question. If I would have came directly from New York to to Lincoln, it would have been a lot bigger of an adjustment, but having five years under my belt in Ames and then two years under my belt in Minneapolis definitely helped get used to the Midwestern life, but it's great to be back here. It's a place that I'm very comfortable at. And, um, you know, my wife's from Iowa. I met her when we were at Iowa state. So being closer to family and being closer to Iowa is, is a huge benefit for our our family so it's great to be back do you laugh at lincoln people when they complain about traffic hilarious i mean they <laughs> they talk about like a red light and there's five cars waiting and they're, they're saying that's significant traffic and it's it's hilarious i mean i've certainly gained years back on my life just driving around Man. lincoln and not having to deal with uh with some of the drivers you deal with in new york and you know, i do catch myself though when you get pissed off at somebody. You want to give them the finger, and sure, you got to remember sure. you're you're in Nebraska, and you're you're uh, you're around innocent, nice people. <laughs> that's it. People don't do it. <laughs> that's a good way to put it. I did see there's a there's a Dunkin' Donuts at like 27th and Old Shade. Like, yeah, do you, I, I imagine that's huge for you. Are you their number one customer? Yeah, you know what I uh, I do like Dunkin' Donuts a lot. Um, one coffee place that I love that rivals any. New York spot is the mill in Lincoln. Yeah, good Phenom- spot. Phenomenal coffee. They do a great <laughs> job there. Um, we can't get any bagels here, which is rough. Right. Uh, certainly can't get the pizza at the level of New, <laughs> New York, York, but there's sure. a couple decent spots. Yeah. Um, 
so yeah, man, I mean, you know, home cooked meals are certainly have increased in the last year than they were prior to York. <laughs> I, lo- <laughs> I-, I love it. I, you know, your journey is a really, really interesting one. I kind of want to go back and then kind of work yeah. our way up till now. So you started as a, you were a student manager at St. John's. Yep. Did, how quickly did you know, like, this is what I want to do? I want to be a basketball coach. I want to work in basketball. Was it something you knew when you were watching games at the Garden, watching the Knicks when you were yeah. 10 years old? or how, Like, when did that click for you? So I was a psychotic Knicks fan in the 90s and an absolutely huge St. John's fan. Always loved college basketball growing up in New York. Uh, got a chance to clearly see some really good teams when I was growing up. Um and yeah, I really had my mind set on, I wanted to be a general manager someday. That was my goal. And uh, I worked a lot of summer camps in the summer when I was a manager, getting a chance to network with people. And, you know, I knew that all the odds were stacked up against me. And the one way that I could make it is just, just work my butt off. Yeah. And, um, you know, certainly it paid off very quickly for me getting a shot with the T wolves as a basketball ops intern. And, you know, some things really fell into my place that first year, you know, doing video, um, our video guys, wife was pregnant, you know, and, and he leaves and it literally all falls on my shoulders. And it was an opportunity for me to take advantage of that time to prove myself and very intimidating, clearly, sure. You know, being right out of college and, and having that responsibility traveling with the team you know, and, and I was able to forge such solid relationships that there were a lot of changes that happened between my first and second year where I was able to get a full-time position with the T-Wolves. And, you know, clearly Fred was a huge part of that. We got really close. We had a, a very strong working relationship. And then that really turned quickly into a friendship with him and his family. And, um, you know, for me, meeting him and crossing paths has, has certainly changed sure. my life. What, what do you think it was with, with you and Coach Hoiberg that, like, that what was it that you guys hit it off with, like, and built that trust and that yeah. connection? What was it, you think? Well, you know, I've been fortunate enough. I, I would say one of my strongest skills is just developing people's trust. And yep. um, I'm very transparent. You know, I'm, I'm going to tell it how it is. I'm not going to sugarcoat anything. And, you know, being young and having – an opportunity to be in the war room during drafts and just evaluating prospects. Um, I know it came across as a breath of fresh air that here's a kid that's just willing to throw his cards on the table, whether he's right or wrong is irrelevant, but just the fact that he's willing to stand by his, his word and his evaluation and his eye for talent. And um, you know, my work ethic, I think ultimately allowed me in the door with a guy like Hoiberg and, he respected me, but then I think really where the friendship took off is we're, we're such opposite people. I'm very brash. He's very reserved, sure. um, you know, and there's things that I say that he agrees with, but he never would say it because he's Fred Hoiberg. <laughs> sure. So that's cer- that certainly has made the relationship very strong. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's literally 12 years uh, me and him um, have been in each other's lives and yeah. You know, um, that over time has the trust has developed because at the end of the day, you know, when we when we got to Iowa State, having the responsibility that he put in front of me and uh, a lot of those things working out. I mean, of course, there's a level of credibility that and and trust that I have with the guy 
because so many of those situations he trusted me when at the end of the day, he probably didn't have to, you know, right. he, didn't, he probably didn't have to listen that, listen, Royce White's going to work out. I mean, yeah, all sure. the odds were against us and he, <laughs> and he did. And, no. you know, two, two years later paid off. And then, you know, clearly a lot of other players after that, but um, yeah, I mean, it's a unique situation unlike any in college basketball. Cause I never look at Fred as, as my boss. Um, you know, he's, it's like, he's my teammate. He's my boy. He's yeah. my brother. He's my best friend. We yell at each other. Like we're brothers. Um, if he's having a bad day, he knows he can take it out on me. And I certainly take it out on him when I'm having a bad day. <laughs> <laughs> so you've, you know, I mean, you think about your, cause then obviously, you know, when, at Iowa State, then Fred goes to Chicago, and you end up get going back to St. John's and and yeah. work for Chris Mullen. So you've coached with two, who I would say are you know I mean you say Fred Hoiberg and Chris Mullen, you you think players first usually they they yeah. both kind of have that mindset. But you know I, I've obviously talked to 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 Chris before games doing stuff with Fox, and same thing right. with Fred. They're very different people. Like Fred, Fred's no got question. a cerebral calmness to him. Chris has that New York grittiness, brashness to him where it's like he just wants to go out there and check up and like compete. You know what I mean? Like, is that, are, yeah. are they, I guess, kind of compare and contrast those two guys because while they're cut from the same cloth, they're very different. Yeah. I mean, certainly when you work for a so called NBA guy, there's going to be a level of uh, unknown mm-hmm. that they have in college basketball. And, I guess I got on the job training dealing with it with, with Fred when we got to Iowa state, although we kind of uh, joined together at the unknown because it was also my first opportunity actually working full time in college basketball. But, you know, having the responsibility of accruing the talent and, and fostering relationships to put ourselves in a position to be successful, you know, that, that is a challenging task. when you work for an NBA guy, because for them, it is all about basketball and their strengths are all on the court. And Fred Hoiberg isn't the greatest salesman. And he, he makes that very well known and we make it very well known in the recruiting process. And that's the same thing with Mully. Um, Those guys are both gym rats. They want to be on the court working with the guys and, and developing them into the players that, they all strive to be. And, you know, with that comes a lot of pressure on my shoulders because there's a lot of stuff that I sure have to deal with and, and take on that maybe some assistants wouldn't have to. So the five years at Iowa state definitely set me up to work for a guy like Chris Mullen. Um, you know, certainly being able to work for two elite shooters. Um, I mean, Chris Mullen, a hall of famer in his own right, being around him for the four years was special. Um, just, hearing his take on the game and his approach of, of how he became the player he was. I mean, it's, it's as simple as it gets. And, you know, I know it's the, the cliche of, you know, hard work mm-hmm. beats talent. I mean, and that's Chris Mullen to a T because Chris isn't and wasn't the most talented basketball player, but he outworked everybody and became such a savant on the court with his shot making ability. And um, that all, translated to the players the players love playing for him the similarities between fred and chris the guys would run through a brick wall for both of them because they are your consummate players coach they're not going to get up in you and rip you apart and demean you it's all about um building up confidence and, and motivating them through um you know positivity 
And you don't get that at a lot of places. And both coaches I work for certainly did a great job of that. You've you've obviously built a reputation as not a good recruiter, a great recruiter. What what do you what's been the key to your rise in that regard? Because recruiting could be about a lot of things, Matt. You know, it can be about connections, yeah. about an eye for talent, it can be just straight up yep. time and work, relationship building. What do you think is the key to, to your success as a recruiter? I would say the biggest key is is thinking outside the box, one and two, uh, swinging in my strike zone. Yeah. You know, I know what my strike zone is, and if, if the pitch is outside, you know, I, I know not to swing. Sure. Um, because of that, um, I've been able to put myself in a position where I'm efficient with my time and, and I'm not wasting people's time. You know, I think as an assistant, that's the key. You can't waste your head coach's time. They have enough stuff on a daily basis to deal with. The last thing they need to do is do a million Zoom calls, phone calls, text messages with kids we have no shot with. When we're involved with a kid, there's a reason, there's a connection, and um, you build off of that. Now, at the end of the day, that doesn't mean we're guaranteed to get them, but we're trying to use our time efficiently. And, you know, the the outside-the-box thinking, when we got to Iowa State, the whole transfer thing was looked at as uh, almost like a taboo. Yes. Like, what are you doing? Um, You guys are crazy. You're taking all these crazy kids that have no chance. People wrote them off, and – what do you, there's no way you can build a successful program. And, you know, I, 10 years later, still stand by that. You know, I'm always going to be somebody that looks at transfers as we looked at free agency in the NBA. There's no way in the NBA you can have a successful organization by building strictly through the draft. Right. And for college basketball, there's no way you can have a successful program just building straight through high school. Right, And there is programs out there that do it. Sure. More power to them. They're also not cutting down the nets repeatedly year after year. And um, for us, um, the way we can survive with the programs that we've worked at, where there is a lack of history and tradition, you know, you, you have to find a way to be an outlier. And the way we did it was transfers. And we'll continue to do that at a school like Nebraska. You know, I tell every kid, we literally can go blow to blow with every school in the country when it comes to resources, when it comes to facilities. But what we can't do is we can't make up the fact that we have no history and tradition. And that's why they made a commitment to bring Fred Hoiberg here to right. change that. Hey guys, quick break to talk to you guys about Pella windows and doors. And I, I want to make sure that you guys understand that Pella windows of Omaha and Lincoln, they're following CDC guidelines uh, during this coronavirus situation. They can safely serve any of your window and door needs in the showroom or in your home. All the employees at Pella and the customers are completing a COVID-19 questionnaire as provided by the CDC prior to entering the showroom, entering the office, and uh, any uh, potential customer's home. And all the employees are required to self-quarantine for a recommended 14 days. If uh, that individual comes into contact with someone who's tested positive, if they traveled anywhere outside of the Omaha Lincoln area, bottom line, they are taking all the necessary precautions to make sure that they are safe and you are safe so you can safely move forward with your window and door needs. And uh, on top of all that, as a result of all this stuff with the coronavirus, uh, Pella is offering temporary special financing options. They are now available. So 
man, now is the time to take advantage of these special rates and uh, put that value back into your home. And you have that peace of mind knowing that all the necessary safety uh, protocol and precautions have been uh, put into place by Pella. So you know the whole time you can feel safe. Give Pella a call, 402-493-1350, or check them out online at PellaOmaha.com. That's PellaOmaha.com. Because there's a, there's obviously a balance in, in that, because you know you got to have so, you, you certainly have to have some high school kids on your roster, and of course. and and but there, there's got to be a balance there. I heard you talk about this on another podcast that you kind of like the chip on your shoulder transfer guy because you pointed out how you know listen there's there's a reason they transferred right it didn't work out for whatever reason yeah. and you you kind of identify with that. Yeah, you know what? I, I love the fact that these kids that we get, their backs against the wall. Teddy Allen, perfect yep. example. His backs against the wall. People wrote him off. If, if if Teddy didn't have the past he had, personally, he'd be playing in the NBA already. He's that talented. But there's a reason why he ended up in our hands to help him get to that level is because people wrote him off, rightfully so. Every person has a as a valid reason and points when they write off Teddy Allen. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's where I come in. And there's the challenge that you have an unbelievably talented kid that we would never be able to get out of high school. And the reason why we can get involved is one, we have a history of dealing with kids like him that have to prove themselves and have one shot to do it. And two, we know we have the infrastructure built internally where dealing with Teddy Allen on a daily basis is is extremely easy because he wants to do well. He has a great heart. He's a good kid. He just needs to be led in the right direction. And and that comes with building trust with kids. And, and me and Teddy had some really frank, serious conversations early on before he committed. And, you know, I, I knew right away that the kid's head was in the right spot. And, and because of that, he owned up to his mistakes and I'll mess with the kid any day of the week that right. takes ownership and accountability over their actions, and they just want a shot to prove themselves. And um, you know that that's what that's what has made my career, and I'm never going to go away from it. You can't have an entire team like that. You can have a few pieces where you're putting a lot of effort into making sure they have what they need to be successful. And, you know, and certainly we're very fortunate to have a, uh, a talented player of his stature yeah. committing to us with a lot of unknowns. Yeah, he, I mean, he's a really talented scorer. Yeah. I mean, really yeah, talented. Absolutely. Are, when you, from just a broad standpoint, Matt, when you're hitting the recruiting trail and you're, you're watching kids and you're evaluating, are you just looking for talent and stockpiling it on the roster and just, and kind of going that school thought of like, listen, talent prevails. Let's just get talent and we'll make it work. Or are you looking for a profile, a specific skill set when you're looking at, at the recruiting trail? Well, you know, with the way that, that we want to play five out, we want five skilled guys on the floor that can put the ball on the floor, make shots at a high level. Our best teams at Iowa State were a threat um, from anywhere on the floor. So ultimately, that's what we want at Nebraska, where we have got five guys that can make the three at a consistent level. So certainly shot making is, is a premium for us when we're evaluating uh, having athletes yeah. want to play fast. We, we showed that this past season. Um, so certainly having guys on the floor that can push the pace um, and having length, 
you know, those three things I, I feel like are the three that we want to check the boxes on. And you're going to see that with the team that we put out um, next season, whenever that team goes out there and plays. And um, you're going to see those three areas where we check the boxes yeah. on, on the three things we're looking for, which is exciting uh, for us to, to put a team out there in year two like that. You know, let's go. Let's go back to last year for a second, because obviously it was a it was a really interesting situation you guys took over because it was a total roster flip. You had a whole bunch mm-hmm. of scholarships to fill. You had some attrition. That's a part of the deal. Whenever there's a coaching change, that's kind of just mm-hmm. how it works. And it kind of felt like Matt last year is kind of a perfect storm. The big the league Big Ten was great. And mm-hmm. then where the Big Ten specifically was great inside big guys, five men, just happened yep. to be where you guys were a little bit vulnerable. You guys were not a very big right. team. It, it, but you guys did establish the style of, of how you wanted to play. How, did you, how do you kind of make heads or tails of, of last year? Because obviously the record is what it is, uh, but it just seems like it was a perfect storm in a lot of different ways. Listen, I mean, we're in this business because we want to win and, and we want to put our players in the position to be successful. And when you win in college basketball, everybody benefits from it. So we went into it clearly with, with the hope and intentions of, of winning basketball games. But there is a time where you have to be realistic. And we knew going into year one, it was going to be very challenging on a lot of fronts. Most challenging was the fact that we literally had little to no scoring mm-hmm. returning where we can look to that one player to carry us. Um, so we knew that was going to be challenging. We knew the lack of size was going to be very challenging. So our goal, which I felt like we were very successful at completing, was let's at least identify who we want to be identity-wise in this league. And we showed that. And the other thing is, is we didn't get steamrolled very often. No, you didn't. Right. We, we would We would play. 20 to 25 even some nights 30 minutes Mm -hmm. out of the 40 where we were competitive and you could see that style translate um to winning basketball it's just that in order to sustain and beat the teams of quality in this league you have to put together 40 minutes and ultimately we got the shots we wanted we just didn't convert at the rate to win basketball games in the best league in the country. And that's where we feel like we, um, we identified what those needs were this off season. And now we have the players in place to convert at the rate that we need with the style we want to play to win at the level we need. Yeah. I mean, because if you think about last year, you guys undersized and inexperienced, and it feels like now you guys have size and you guys gained some more experience, at least on paper. Right. You know, I mean, you know how it yeah. is. Like, you got to go out there yeah. and do it. But I don't think there's any question that on paper, this group at least checks a lot of the boxes that you – I'd, I'd have to imagine when you guys yeah. set out to – in year two, you guys had goals, and you guys have at least checked on paper what you guys wanted to kind of collect. Yeah, of course. I mean, uh, at the end of the day, uh, we feel very confident where we're going in, in year two and what we're building – Um, I know for myself, um, I'm very, very encouraged about the players we've attracted, um, talented players with all due respect, talented kids that, you know, typically a program of this stature has not gotten in the past. So, you know, I'm, I'm excited and pleased, you know, where we're at from a roster standpoint going into year two. Yeah. Listen, when it comes to expectations, 
expectations is a privilege. I don't think we've gotten there yet. Um, you know, hopefully we get there sooner rather than later where people expect us to produce, you know, right now, um, in the beginning stages of building, I feel like at least we're going to be able to put out a group that if they're cohesive and the chemistry is there, I really do think that we can do some damage and, and put ourselves in a position to play a meaningful basketball game come February, depending on what the season looks like. You know how you, you bring up this, this, you know, the Nebraska basketball job and that obviously, you know, there's not a lot of, there's no final four banners. There's not a lot of conference championship banners, like the history and tradition, it is what it is, you know, but I, I've also, Matt, you know this, like you go around the country and there are some arenas that are dead. They're a ha- yep. they're half full. There's no energy or excitement around the program, the city or anything. That's not the case with Nebraska basketball. While it hasn't won an NCAA tournament game, go to PBA on a game day and tell me that the energy isn't there. You know I mean? It, it is. And while that's not all that matters when you're trying to build up a program, it certainly really, really helps that the, the, the support and the excitement is there. It just, I'm telling you, once this thing takes off, it's really going to take off. Oh, there's no question. I mean, this is an absolutely goldmine of a situation because like you said, Nick, there's not places across the country. You turn on, fs1 you turn on espn you look at some of these arenas and these are ranked teams yes and it's they're not even half full and then you turn on big 10 network Mm -hmm. and you see pba with a 7 and 20 team going up against michigan state and it's packed with the energy level being there right so it listen it is i mean that when fred was really uh, evaluating if he wanted to do this, that was such a huge part of it because we were so blessed with having such an incredible home court advantage at Hilton Coliseum at Iowa State Great where place. we knew every single home game we were going to win. We feel like we can have that same feeling here in Lincoln at PBA where any team that comes in expects to lose. Right. And that's that. that's the one thing when you're playing in the best league in the country, you're playing 10 home games and you can win eight or nine every single year. You're putting yourselves in the NCAA tournament picture every year. Matt, before I let you go, can, you know, whenever I talk to people around the city about Nebraska basketball and all that stuff, I think one of the biggest questions they have are like, who are these guys? Like, okay, who's this transfer? Who's got, can, can we go through it? You already talked yeah, about Teddy. Can we go through yeah. a couple of these guys and can you give a little, uh, uh, just a, a yeah. thought or two I, I, I get the sense. I love Delano Banton. Like, I think uh, yeah. the West Kentucky transfer, he fits the profile in terms of a guy that can can really be a matchup problem with size and guard skills. How, tell everybody about Delano and, and what you expect from him. I mean, you're talking about a 6'8 point guard. You don't see many of those across the country. Um, elite, elite vision. Uh, IQ is through the roof, knows how to play. He's incredible off the ball as well because he's great at reading situations and, and cutting. He's going to get a few layups just with the defense sleeping. Um, but, yeah, we expect big things. I mean, he's listen, he's an NBA talent. There's no hiding from it. If, if the stars align, um, he's going to see himself play at that level because he's, he's just so unbelievably gifted right. uh, with his size and stature and, and overall vision. Um, his shot has gotten so much better with Fred working on it the last 12 months. Uh, where he can become a consistent shooter and threat from the perimeter, but certainly expect big things 
when you have a point guard leading you uh, like Delano. You know, the, the, there's you know, been the joke of if Scott Frost would see Shamil Stevenson, he'd want to line him up at linebacker. I mean, dude is just a, a tank out there, but that's yeah. just it. You know, he's you, 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 you're switching five ways and you get a little point guard on Shamil or something like that, it, he's going yeah. to beast him. Tell everybody about Shamil Stevenson, who's, who's kind of had an interesting path. And I know you guys thought you were maybe going to get a waiver last year with him, but uh, certainly a guy that's got some talent. Yeah, I mean, like you said, Nick, physically so gifted, athletically very gifted. Another kid that can stretch the floor, knock down threes. The biggest thing for him is he hasn't played basketball in close to two years. So, you know, how quickly is he going to be able to fit into the equation early on, just taking some of those cobwebs off? Uh, You know, certainly shows flashes. Uh, in practice and did that throughout the year on scout team on what he can be but you know certainly a piece of the puzzle where uh, when he gets going and he, he becomes the confident player that he once was uh, prior to sitting out he could he could be yeah. do a lot of damage for us what about Derek Walker I mean, he, he's the Tennessee transfer so he's a part he was a part of a winning team with with what Coach Barnes had there and playing behind Grant Williams and Admiral Schofield. So he, he's he's gotten to be some he, – he, he's been around some some winning basketball and some talented yeah. dudes. Mm-hmm. He's got size as well. What do you – tell right. everybody about Derek. Yeah, I mean, the, the first thing that comes to mind is size and physicality. He's not afraid to bang down low. He's going to be an enforcer rebounding the basketball, which is a huge need for us, uh, clearly. And, um, you know, offensively, he's a type of a kid that's going to find his angles and, and carve out space and be able to finish around the basket, which is also a very important thing since we were horrendous at finishing around the yeah. basket. He's going to be able to address that need um, and then just bring that experience. You spoke about it coming from a winning program, knows what it looks like, uh, knows what it feels like. And, and listen, you can never replace that. That's extremely important when you're putting t- a team together is, is to have that experience from one of your uh, older players where they can share that with the rest of the guys in the locker room. So Matt, I remember a couple of, gosh, maybe two years ago, I, I called Western Illinois at Creighton on FS1. And I remember walking away from the game thinking, Kobe Webster can play. Like that guy, yeah. that guy's a good player. And you never know. I mean, sometimes some guys put up good numbers in a, in a low major conference and you don't know how it would translate. Like he was one of those guys yeah. that I thought like, that guy could be productive really in any conference. He's obviously grad transferred. Uh, what, what do you what, what jumps out when you when you look at Kobe Webster? I mean, he's an elite bucket getter. Yeah, like he can he can fill him up and he can fill him up against anybody. Um, you know, he is smaller, but he makes up with it with his quickness and his deceptiveness. He's got absolutely incredible footwork and his preparation on his shot and just overall being on the floor, having a high IQ, knowing where to be. He's also going to be a primary ball handler when he's on the floor. Um, but, we, I mean, listen, I, I'm really excited about him. You know, we talked initially when he got in the portal, and uh, things really went fast because he's a kid that knew exactly what he wanted, and we could check those boxes. And we're very, we were very fortunate that he believed in us in the beginning because that was right at the start of the pandemic. Right. And if he, if he would have waited, he would have had – probably 30, 40 high major situations on him. So very fortunate to get him done early and and put him on this team where he's going to bring um, experience to that guard uh, core 
and immediately just brings to me uh, the perimeter help from making shots at a high level and also be a facilitator. So, you know, uh, handles himself in such a professional way, graduated in three years, which shows his commitment um, and taking things serious. So very, very excited about Kobe. So you, you've, you talked about Teddy Allen. Let's talk about another Juco kid. Uh, if, am I saying Lat Mayan? Is that how you say his yeah, name? Yeah. Lat Mayan. Mayan. T- tell us about, yeah. I mean, this guy's got a, he was at TCU for a little bit. He's got a good frame and, and, and a good build to him. Yeah, Nick, you know what? He's the one player that people haven't talked about enough. He, he has a chance to be really, really special, uh, long, active, athlete that plays at a high high motor level and you don't find that in today's day and age with kids especially at that size he only knows one um way to play and that's hard all the time his best skill set is he shoots the living piss out of the ball yeah um he's a kid that can shoot in the mid 40s okay and he's going to get plenty of looks yeah because fred's going to get him those looks every time down the floor and the guys are going to find him because they, they know his, his shot-making ability. But really excited about him. He's a kid that has such a chip on his shoulder that, in his mind, should have never ended up in Juco, and he did. He embraced it. He had a great year at Chipola. He got better. He got healthier. And now he's just ready and on a mission to prove um, that he can play at this level. And, and listen, I mean, at that time when he committed, he had a lot of high majors on him. And he's another kid that really believed in, in what we were building here. The style of play fits perfect. He's, he's your prototypical stretch four. He also can bang around down low. He's not going to back away from the challenge. So really, really excited about adding his talent to uh, to this mix. Man, you got me excited to watch him. I can't wait to see what, what he can do on the floor. What about uh, two more? Uh, Eduardo uh, Andre, another guy with good yep. size. I mean, ultimately, is that what it was? You're just like, listen, we need a big body that can protect the rim and, and maybe finish some lobs around the rim. I mean, what yeah. what is what is his skill set? Well, you know what? He's oozing with potential. Um, he is a lot more skilled than people know. He has a great lefty touch around the basket. His shot looks actually pretty good. It's just getting him more reps and confident making those shots from 18 feet, 20 feet out. Um, But, yeah, an elite competitor. He wants to be really, really good. He's a gym rat. He's committed to the process. Um, Certainly brings that physicality. Brings a 7-4 wingspan, which those don't – No. Those aren't all over the place to have a a wingspan of, uh, of that stature. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's already gained 10 pounds since he's been here. His work ethic is there. And, you know, that's the, the recurring theme across our program is culturally, you know, we have guys that want to be in the gym. We have guys that are committed to doing whatever it takes individually to win as a team. And that to me is, is really what's exciting about what we're building. Last dude, Elijah Wood, uh, yep. a, a kid that reclassified, so he's young, but certainly ha- seems to have a lot of – checks a lot of the boxes that you usually see with what Fred Hoiberg wants from his, yeah. his, his backcourt. Yeah, you know what, Nick? He's got the size, uh, positional size, being you know 6'6". Um, he's another kid that can make shots. I mean, that's definitely his best attribute right now. Once he gets stronger and, and gains weight, um, you know, I think he's going to be a, a very good facilitator. You know, right now, if you were to throw him out there, he definitely would get pushed around. But, you know, we still have a while till we play our first game. He's already gained 
four pounds since he's been here, which I know four pounds doesn't sound a lot, but when you were coming in sure. at 175, it, 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 that is a huge um, jump for him. But another kid that's really committed to, to working hard and uh, you know certainly expect him to get on the job training this first year where he's really uh, learning what this league's all about and what it's going to take to compete at, at this level. So, you know, we're taping this on, uh, it's Monday, July 20th, and today's the first day that that teams in college basketball can begin working out together. And I know you've had mm-hmm. uh, almost everybody back on campus, and I know Coach Hoiberg talked about taking things slow with with COVID. How, how challenging has this been? I mean, because... You know, it's it, it's been hard for everyone, but I'm not so sure that it hasn't been as hard or harder on you guys because of all the new you guys weren't needed to you needed this time as much as anybody. It's it's hard to 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 balance. You know, want to take things slow and being careful, but understands you need to take advantage of this time. How hard has this been for you guys? You know what, Nick? We've been really fortunate enough to have a very uh, supportive administration that allowed us to bring the guys back in early June. So to yeah. have the last six weeks where the guys were able to focus on their bodies and getting in shape and getting stronger, um, I think is a huge advantage for us, not competitively, but just internally what, what we're trying to build. And to have that foundation that set where now on this first day, we're ready to go. Like we're not having the, to slow down and worry about guys not being in shape. We are in shape. We're ready to go. Um, Our training staff did a phenomenal job of keeping everything together these last six weeks because we weren't able to work with the guys at all. And more importantly, our guys did a phenomenal job at abiding by all of the regulations and protocols that were set up, being smart when they were at home, uh, you know, away from the facility and not putting themselves in a position where they could cost themselves having to quarantine, sure. you know, so we've been fortunate enough, man, we, this group has done a great job of listening. And, um, you know, I think we're in a really good place as a program, uh, you know, working out these last six weeks where these guys have been able to be together because that's the biggest thing is chemistry wise. Yeah. That's already started. And that's such a huge thing when you're trying to build a program to, to have the guys together and uh, and act, actually want to be together at all times. Matt, listen, man, I, I appreciate your time, and I, I'm really excited about what you guys are building uh, here at Nebraska, and uh, I can't wait till till things resume some normalcy and, and I can just see you at a shoot-around and we can just talk Absolutely. about what you know the upcoming matchup, man. That's what I'm looking forward yeah, to. Yeah, definitely. No, we, we all are looking forward to seeing you at a shoot-around too. Hopefully that happens sooner rather than later, but until then – you know, be safe and, uh, you know, be safe with your family and looking forward to seeing you. Appreciate you, Matt. Thank you so much. All right, Nick. Take care, man. All right. My thanks to Pella Windows and Doors. If you're thinking about a new window or a new front door, now is the perfect time. Give Pella a call at 402-493-1350 or check them out online at PellaOmaha.com. We will see you next time on the Nick Bob Podcast.